Carla. I'm Richard. We're the OBs, hosts of the We Do podcast. And co-founders of WeDoRelationships.com. We help people discover the best version of themselves for their significant relationships, even their marriage. Yes, even that. Every week we share insights we've learned over 20 years of helping individuals and couples. We can help you stay motivated and accountable while encouraging you to find lightness and the connection in your life that we're all after. And we do will help you master simple and elegant ways to withstand adversity in your life. We believe every day is a great day to share and grow. You probably have a relationship that needs some attention, whether at home or at work. Your breakthroughs and tools await you at WeDoRelationships.com. Let's get to today's episode. Hi, sweetie. Hello. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. I just, I'm glad to see you back from your grocery runs and Costco runs because there's a big event tonight in our backyard. Yes. I'm very excited about it. Mm -hmm. I think Madeline came up with a great idea, which was to have an outdoor movie showing of Titanic. Mm And, you know, makes me want to sing all the songs, but it gets, I get sad when I think about the, the movie, but it's a great movie. And what's some of the uh, food we're going to have to celebrate <laughs> the, the, you know, the aspects of Titanic. Well, we're going to have iceberg lettuce wedge <laughs> salad. <laughs> and we're going to have uh, sausage rolls because they started off in England. That's right. Yeah. And then, then they were headed to New York, so we're gonna have Manhattan's drink. <laughs> it should be fun. It'll be a blast. And one of the first, uh, I guess, coming out parties, I guess, so to speak, of our one of our daughters that uh, when she sang, uh, "My Heart Will Go On," will be in the movie. So, Malin may want to play that as a surprise for her today. So, but we're talking about uh, inner critics. Mm-hmm. That we're talking about I, I felt like the inner critic was like in full swing full bore control with me uh this morning it was just kind of dancing in my head how do you hear the inner critic um would have could have should have why didn't you mm-hmm. language in my mind like why didn't you do this uh friday get organized so you don't have to worry about getting it organized for tonight um why didn't you cut the grass on friday um, you could have organized your your office area a little bit more. You could have, um, you know, cleaned the carpet uh, yesterday, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and it was a little bit warmer and the carpet would have dried a little bit sooner. So it was like one thing after another and, you know, outside in the yard. And, you know, then it was kind of tainting my image in my thought of, you know, Titanic. And so I said, okay, so I got all, all, most of the stuff done. And went up and took a a tasty nap. Tasty nap. I love taking tasty naps. And I woke up and I was ready to sing, my heart will go on and I'm ready to go. Um, But that's how I was feeling it. And I wasn't in the present moment and anticipating joy. I also, before I went for a nap, I rewatched Rick Hansen's TEDx talk from Marin County when he was talking about, you know, um, taking in the good. And how we're pre pre programmed and pre wired for uh, protecting ourselves, but we're also pre wired to be telling ourselves um, things that we should be aware of and things that we should do. The whole idea that 
you know, which neurons fire together, they wire together, and we have to take in the good. And there's a whole process. Um, and we could have a, a link to that a TEDx talk on there. And that kind of helped as well with regard to, you know, thinking about, okay, who's coming over tonight? It'll be great to see them again. Great to talk to them. I haven't seen, you know, my son-in-law's sister, you know, sister in a while. I actually haven't seen one of our daughters in a while. And so it's good to, to have them over. Some friends are going to come over, extended family, and we're going to have a good time and and uh, and watch it. But it was that's how it showed up today. And um, that's where I was with kind of dancing. I don't think that's atypical. I think you do dance with the inner critic a, a lot. And that's how I was doing it. Sounds like you were hard on yourself. Yeah. I don't think I was even aware of it. I was had like a, a tape playing in my mind that was not allowing me to be present even with the chores I was doing mm -hmm. to complete kind of a bossy bully yeah it was a, it was like a bossy but also kind of in the background of you know I'm in I'm in control here I wasn't even aware of it necessarily mm -hmm. you know it was just kind of there it wasn't it wasn't uh but it was definitely a it took over and took over to the conversation I think I think a lot about how our inner critic is formed, you know, it's like when we're uh, little, you know, we have to learn right from wrong and we're taught what to do, what not to do. And I often think like, especially when kids grow up and they're on their way off to college, it's like, you know, that that fear of do, do they know every all the values that we think are important that we want them to have. And, you know, so I think as a parent, I can, you know, it, it started to click for me that I'm influencing, you know, the kids on, you know, what they might think and how they might be hard on themselves. Like, and, and, and just the whole, the differences in how you parent different kids because they have different personalities they are born in different birth order, which makes a difference. And, you know, sometimes the firstborn might be more of a rule follower than the second born who kind of learns as they go. And so the way that you might parent, certainly the way, the way it worked with, with us and with, with our first two daughters, I just remember the, so, so different, they were so different. And uh, the first one, you know, followed the rules and um never made a mistake and you know was kind of a perfectionist and I, I just remember wanting her to loosen up and wanting her to get in trouble at school you know and yeah. um I was kind of relieved when she finally did because I felt like oh good she's not staying always staying in the lines you know because yeah. you want to you want them to dance you want them to just be in the world rather than following all the rules and but then our second born had the opposite, you know, kind of personality where she would, you know, I would have to tell her not to touch anything because she would touch everything or, um, you know, she, I'd tell, you know, her one thing and, you know, her sister, another thing, because they were so different, but it made me think, it makes me think about how, that inner critic is formed within all of us but, and influenced by the people that guided us, you know, whether it's our parents or grandparents or aunts and uncles who had 
an impact on, you know, responsibilities and how to follow the rules and that sort of thing. What about like you were mentioning the in your article on this, you were mentioning about the, the bathroom experience. You tell me more about that and oh. about the thoughts on that. I thought that was just a great example. Yeah, I mean, I can remember going in the bathroom with the two two of our daughters and the one, you know, was afraid to touch any of the- Just like at a convenience store or- a, Like a public restaurant oh, or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, you know, she didn't want to touch the walls or like she was afraid of anything, touching anything for germs. And the other one, you know, she would just have her hand in all the bins that you don't want her to have her hands in, you know, and they were just night and day. So it was for one, I was saying, um, it's okay if you touch something. And the other one I was saying, don't touch anything, you know. <laughs> and but I think it it kind of creates that sense of responsibility in us as as we're guided and it's important that we learn to follow rules and everything when we're little. Um, and yet I think we have to unlearn some of that as we get older and become adults and actually have freedom, but we don't know how to use it. You know, we have um, the, you know, it's difficult when you're brought up like the, the, the gifts of um, learning how to be responsible I mean, I was a really responsible kid. I was a yeah. big time rule follower. And and I still find myself uh, kind of a little bit restrained by that. Like, and, you know, it's okay to break the rules sometimes. It's okay to step, you know, to dance when you're supposed to stay in a straight line or whatever. Well, that inner, that inner critic, you know, title, I think has a, a lot of different layers to it and a lot of it's, it's multidimensional, at least in, in my world, it has been with, you know, not wanting to get hurt again or not wanting to put yourself in a situation where, you know, you're trying to avoid the pain that you once experienced. Oh, you, you know? mean with your kids? Well, not only with kids, but just in general with life and, you know, and certainly with kids. Yeah. Cause you know, we wanted to make sure that, you know, one of our the, the Madeline I mean we'll say her name but she would you know when it used to be just called Burlington Coat Factory she would you know you'd walk in and you'd, you'd lose her she would just literally go and just explore all the coat racks and the the, the rounders and the four times and she would be hiding you know all over the place and then we'd find her near the back door and we'd have to corral her we don't want her to have that experience we don't want to lose her from the standpoint of you know where is she we can't we can't catch her we can't get her so there's 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 that part of it that is that is you know learned from our behaviors as parents and what we were told and i think of how how hurtful sometimes that those things can be i was speaking with someone the other day about a car and i was saying okay wow that's a really cool car and i, I love that's actually a truck and i love that truck and and he's standing in the bed of the truck and he's talking to me about it and where he got it and why he liked it and what edition it was and who the new designers were. And just as we were speaking, we looked left and there was this young man or young boy, probably about eight or nine, who opened the gate. And the guy that was in the back of the truck stopped and said, hey, get back out, get out of there, get out of here. And then he 
the door and the kid just looked at me and looked at like, he was probably just curious of what I was having the conversation and shut the door. Now, I don't know the gate and I don't know what was going on there, but it was a natural responsive reaction, almost like a, you know, you, the, the, the knee, you hit, hit the knee and the, and it goes forward. It's like hitting the tendon. It those, those times of stress and those times of trying to keep things in, in, you know, control of having the conversation and, you know, maybe he doesn't, isn't a great conversationalist and he was having a great conversation. Who knows what it was, but the natural reaction for him was to shut hit that kid down and not to have them be a part of it as opposed to saying, Hey, honey, I'll, I'll be back there in a second. Um, just talking about a truck, but I'll, I'll be back and keep, you know, keep the dog back there or whatever the issue was, mm -hmm. but there wasn't that time to pause and to stop. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's that that natural, I think it's that first initial layer of the critic that can be like a blurt, mm -hmm. like, no, you're not going to do that. Like, oh my God, all these things behind that emotion, no, mm -hmm. this isn't going to happen again. And you're going to listen and you're going to stop right now. And you're not going to do that. You're not going to touch that. You're not going to get your germs. You're not going to race off. You're not going to go get, you know, lost or whatever it is. And that inner protect, that protector of, and also predicting again what happened in the past mm -hmm. is is at play with this inner critic, and are we aware of it? Like for example, that guy was not aware of it. Mm -hmm. He just went on like it was like a quick like squirrel, mm -hmm. you know, and then just went on with the conversation. And by mm -hmm. the way, it was it was a nice truck. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I think there's there's those two tensions that we're always talking about. One that you know, the, the tension that is where the critic can be that inner bully, that inner, you know, boss that's really hard on us. And the meanest voice we can ever have is sometimes within our own heads. There's that tension. But then there's that other part, I think, where the inner critic can come in handy and, and like, you know, especially, you know, as you think of it forming and when you're little and following the rules and doing your chores and being respectful to your siblings and being truthful with your parents and all those things that really, you know, teach us some really important values. Um, as we age, our, that, that critic is still wanting, I believe, to work on our behalf. So like if I have you know, if we're going to go to a, a outdoor concert tonight, my inner critic will, you know, will try to make the best of the most of what, you know, the plans are so that we're safe. Like, do we have in case it rains tonight? You know, we have a change of clothes or should we bring our raincoats? Should we bring the umbrellas? Should we you know, what are we going to eat? And do we have enough to drink? And do we have napkins? <laughs> I mean, all the things that kind of um, guide you to keep you safe and to really work on your behalf are also part of that other tension that can be, you know, the inner critic, but it can also be, you know, sort of a structure that keeps us in line, that, that discipline that is so important. Because if you think about someone who has a lot of discipline it's discipline would be the one that's keeping them in line but the result of discipline is really freedom you know it's mm -hmm. that if if we are disciplined in a certain way like saving money and then we have this money that we can feel free to spend on what yeah. we want or you know in in those kinds of ways we any you know 
workout plan that you're disciplined and you follow. And all of a sudden you get to see the, the freedom of being able to lift things that, you know, you didn't have the strength to do before and yeah. things like that, that I think um, account for both, both tensions of the inner critic. Yeah. I, and you see and hear the statistics of, you know, 30 to 50,000 thoughts a day, and most of them are negative and repetitive. Mm -hmm. So the question I have for you, and maybe this is something we can talk about with the audience here is, is there a difference between just the negative thought patterns of, you know, what's repetitive and what's negative? And is that the inner critic or is the inner critic at play? For example, I had a conversation with my my college roommate and he's a very knowledgeable smart guy and we were talking about you know the patterns that we get stuck in of thinking about us like a he called it the, the tape the tape that's running mm -hmm. um the musical tape and how does that musical tape you know keep keep happening and keep going to where you can replace he wants to replace the tape and i was we were both talking about this again yeah, i my thought was well, if we if we replace and reframe possibly what that message is trying to tell us that we can reflect on it and say, oh, what it's trying to do, why that particular tape is playing again is because it's telling you how much you love that person that the tape is about mm -hmm. and how much you want that relationship maybe to get better, whatever it may be. So if you're reframe your so those two tensions like, OK, I'm using this to my benefit but yet I hate it because it's preoccupying me. It's, it's, it's taking over and I feel like I'm, I'm negative and then I'm being negative throughout the day and I'm not being present because I'm going through these tapes. And these are people that are coming to us through various conversations and various coaching and counseling as well that are saying that I'm not at my best self and part of it is this inner critic this inner voice this inner dialogue that's happening that I don't like mm -hmm. and I don't want that to be and I'm spilling that over in how I parent and how I communicate and how I make assumptions and how I quickly go, draw, become a predictor you know of what's going to happen because of my you know expertise of being a great ruminator or or listening to that tape over I know what's going to happen next I know what's going to happen next so what are your thoughts on that? There's a lot of that. There's a lot there, but it's the whole, anyways, what's your thought on that? Well, I mean, I think one of the main things is to remember that our brains are really doing what they need to be doing. And what the brain does best is guess, you know, guess what, what's coming. And, and so sometimes the inner critic is, you know, working on that on behalf of our brain, trying to, you know, kind of predict what's going to happen so that we can stay safe. And to know when we have a partnership with that inner critic versus, I think there's, you know, a knowing that that's a natural process of our brains to make guesses. Um, but when we notice that the, when the inner critic becomes a bully and gets too, you know, beats us up too much inside, it's kind of like, noticing when that happens and allowing for you know self-compassion it's almost like like when a child is crying 
and you just, you run up to them and they've been crying. You don't know why. And it's like, and they can't breathe. And it's like, <laughs> you know, and they're just crying and you just, you really need to be with them for a little bit and just like, it's okay, just breathe, just breathe a little bit. And as they calm down, they can tell you what, you know, what the deal is. Like some mean person came and just yelled at me or, you know, whatever it was that, that just happened. But it's almost like you have, we have to shush our inner critic sometimes not not tell to get back in there and shut the gate but just like allow the you know shush it just a little bit to know and I think that's where self-compassion comes in recognizing oh there it is there it is now okay what you know what wisdom does it have for me how what does it want me to know what's you know versus you know god you know that this so sick of my thoughts or the things that you know that's spinning in my head it's like recognizing that inner critic bully shushing it a little bit and and you know being kind to yourself as you get back into it and again we've talked about this before but the steps of self-compassion are really you know recognizing it first you know and realizing there there it is you know I like to put my hand on my heart but it's, you can do whatever you want. My therapist says, he says, oh, dear one. To himself. <laughs> and it. it's a way of kind of slowing down like, oh, I, yep, I'm familiar with you. It's very kind too. Yeah. It's a, it's a, just a, a kind gesture to himself and to slow it down, but to know that this is natural. This happens to all of us. I'm not alone. Other people have an inner critic too. And it's like trying to kind of like shush it a little bit and quiet it so that we can we can understand what what's underneath it. Yeah, the house is a mess and I do need, yeah. you know, to clean it. And yeah, I could have been cleaning it all week, but now I'm, you know, it's piling up. But, you know, slowing things down so that we can be kinder to ourselves as as you were when you took a nap and, you know, gave yourself that reward of a tasty nap after you had done the things that, you know, you were committed to. You, you're never going to be done. No. But, um, but you know, recognizing that that inner critic needs to be in some ways welcomed because there are gifts of the inner critic that keep us, you know, together. That welcoming it. Um, how do you how do you reconcile the fact that you have all these thoughts that are repetitive and possibly negative, and which ones do you actually take the time to? Mm-hmm to say i'm i'm aware of here i'm aware of what's going on and well i think people I mean, have, mine was thematic it was like related to a same theme it was almost like the same it was different parts of the same movie the movie was woulda coulda shoulda had this cleaned and all these things done and i mean there was a much much more i mean mm-hmm. uh, that i was doing with organization and task lists and all those things but it was it was it was not allowing me to be in a in a in a place where I could whistle while I worked. Mm-hmm. I it was like I was stressing while I worked as opposed to whistling while I worked. Well, it's kind of like the difference between a, a fire hydrant hose worth of thoughts going on in your head that it's almost like it it's way too much to yeah. to decipher and to catch them all. Whereas if it was just a hose that's just kind of you know water's just gently coming out, it's like you can catch those. But it's when it's full force and there's a lot of thoughts and the inner critic is just rapid firing, you know, that's when I think there's that 
the dial, if you can, needs to, you need to know that it's on full blast right now. And I need to somehow regulate it to medium so that I can at least, you know, slow it down somewhat to kind of, to catch, you know, what might be there. Do you think the tool that could be used in that is, is NBA? Yeah, that's a good one. I think. Uh, and we can go over that a little bit because that could be a good tool. Yeah, to notice, breathe, and allow. And I think it's, a, you know, when you notice that it's rapid fire, it's like a fire hydrant hose. It's like, okay, it's rapid fire. I need to breathe. I need to slow it down. And that is part of regulating it, feeling your feet on the ground, feeling the breath, you know, coming in and coming out. It's like that groundedness really can help to allow things to slow a little bit or to to quiet just a little bit more than because when it's rapid fire like that it's like it's inhumane to expect yourself to catch all that and to understand all of that i think that's a great point it's inhumane to, to think that you can and if you're if you're tasseling you know tussling with all that i mean you could drive yourself to to madness mm -hmm. you know related to those type of things and you don't obviously you don't want to have that happen but I like that idea about that you're noticing it. You take your breath, which is calming down. Your entire body can calm down. You're allowing then maybe a message or a lesson or that other side of that tension to kind of speak and say, hey, you have a lot of capacity here, just not all this capacity you think you can do. Mm -hmm. You know, just take a, take, take a prioritization pill mm -hmm. and maybe do four or five of them and write it down. Mm -hmm. And and then that way you can have that sense of accomplishment. And then I look, go back and I look at what I've done, reality now, and it's a lot. It's a lot that was done, you yeah. know, and a lot that was taken care of. So, I, but and when it's it comes easy to gloss over that too, yeah, and to just say, well, yeah, but there's a whole pile of things I didn't do, rather than really honoring, you know, what got done too. Yeah, and even if nothing got done because of whatever, you know, stressors or you had a really busy week or whatever. It's like, that's, that's also part of managing that, you know, the, that inner voice that can get riled up. Sometimes just taking it easy is one of the ways that what we need to do. But how about on the parenting side? Can it go back to that for a minute? Cause I, I think that's very intriguing to me mm -hmm. um, because not only what I saw, but a, a lot of different experiences that you see all the time. And I do as well related to, you know, interactions that could be life-giving or life-draining. Mm. And I think I have a very keen sense of, whoa, that was life-draining for my son or daughter. Mm -hmm. And and that was life-giving for my son or daughter. Mm -hmm. And the inner critics play, in a way, is kind of keeping me from being present with them as opposed to wanting getting back to whatever the task or the situation is that the critic is saying you should have done this or you need to do this and you could have done this better. Um, how does that, in my in my world, I can see how my conversation or my comment or response to my daughter or son could have been different. And I almost started to be able to do that on the fly and learn from that for the next time I have a conversation with them. Mm -hmm. That's To me, that's the tension of the good part of it that says, okay, you're noticing that you could have done this a little bit differently. It wasn't like it was devastating, but you could have had a different conversation with like 
the other morning when I was having a conversation with you know one of our daughters, I was I was taking to task what she was giving me in the way of feedback, as opposed to saying, yeah, that's interesting, or you know maybe reflecting back what I heard her say, as opposed to saying, no, that's not it, and a, a no, that's not it, is me being determined in my pattern of thought mm -hmm. and discounting that other person. Yeah, I could see the deflation in her face go, no, I, I didn't mean to upset, you know, upset you or those type of things. I think those are real life interactions that can be life draining and life giving that, you know, how, how can we do that better? And it's usually the pause. It's usually mm -hmm. the pause of saying, I'm not saying it's the whole answer, but for me, it's a real big part of it is, it's the pauses, the notice, you know, the mm -hmm. pauses, the, to breathe a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then I can get to allowing the conversation maybe to be more, maybe there was some wisdom that I could have heard mm -hmm. as opposed to discounting it right away. Yeah. I mean, I, I hear people telling me a lot of times, you know, what, what their parents said that is so wounding. Mm. And I think, God, you know, that's rough, you know, that, that a parent would say something like that. And yet, if I were to talk to that parent and hear, you know, their framework around that, it most likely isn't, I was trying to hurt my child at that For moment. For sure, yeah. You know, so it's kind of like that, that as a parent, when we are in conversation with our kids, I mean, when we feel ourselves getting emotionally flooded in any way is to calm that down and to know that that's one of those times. But I think also um, a trigger can be taking things personally. And when we take things personally, then it can come back as attack or, you know, like you need to know what, what's the truth, what I'm, what I'm really saying here, you know, and I think that there's that knowing and, and kind of monitoring when we're taking things personally, it can make a huge difference to, to kind of give them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe that's not, maybe that it's not intended to be. Oh my gosh. That is such a huge thing. I mean, that just really hit me between, hit me between the eyes of some, some thoughts around that, of even the conversation the other day about, you know, the comment of maybe you can look at it this way or something like that. I, and I stopped and said, I'm a highly intelligent person here. Mm -hmm. I remember saying that mm -hmm. verbatim. Highly, and I so that mean that was my I took it personally. Is that mm -hmm. what you're talking about, by the way? Because <laughs> you heard that. A right? lot of people. Yeah. yeah but I, I just think that's, I mean, think about that at work. People saying, how could they possibly think I'm not thinking of that? And why are you reiterating that to me? You're not paying me all this money because I wouldn't think of that. Yeah. We could take that. And that's a real dynamic that happens. So again, using that dynamic that probably if people are listening, yes, that happens to me with my boss or that happens to me with my colleague, mm -hmm. that they don't trust me or they don't. What can they do in that time frame and in that instance that can help them to create a new pattern of response that replaces the inner critic? then that's that because maybe I didn't, maybe I'm not that person. Maybe I didn't think of it. What can they do? And I think we don't have to overcomplicate it. It's a notice it. You breathe and allow. They're just being thorough. That's their job. They think about things. You're going to think about it too. And by Eureka, you're both thinking about the same thing. 
So maybe it's reframing that in a way. What's some other thoughts on, I mean. Well, I mean, I think that, oh, dear one, you know, noticing that this might not be um, something that is about you in this moment. It's not maybe, you know, it's like, not taking things personally is, is that what you mean yeah yeah, like yeah stepping away from that or stepping back from that and allowing it just to be as it is because most of the time you know our inner critic will make up the worst story that could possibly be made up when that could be really really far from the truth you know like you think i'm an idiot you you don't even and that's most likely not what's running through the other person's head. Like yeah. you're such an idiot, right. you don't know anything. I mean, sometimes it could be, but not probably not. Probably not, not in our close relationships. You know, it's like even if someone you're working with every day is probably yeah. probably not. Yeah, and so that the stepping away, that self compassion, the anything that gets you grounded in the present moment, allowing yourself to know that these are. Uh, things that stories that we're telling ourselves, things that we're making up in our head that may, that might not be a hundred percent true. And that, you know, to be kind to yourself and to give the other person benefit of the doubt, you know? And I, I think that the notice breathe allow can be a play there when you, this, this happened where someone had corrected me, you know, about something that they had already told me were reminding me and didn't even look at me. And I was like, wow, that was pretty rude. And I shared that with somebody else. It's like, this happened. They were like, wow, that was pretty rude. So they asked, what did you do? And well, I said, what I did is that I noticed that the person did it. I breathed in going, whoa, okay, that's a trigger because I'm not being appreciated here by trying to ask and be helpful. And they're not noticing that, maybe taking a little bit personally. And the allow was kind of a little, had a little bit more of a sentence to it. I'm going to allow them to go back to whatever space they're in that would be what caused that or whatever it is. I can't predict that. Mm -hmm. I'll probably be wrong anyways. And allow me to move on to the next thing mm -hmm. and the next subject and the next interaction. Mm -hmm. And that was able to release that. Now, I also sprinkle in a little bit. I need a bigger help here, you know, mm -hmm. to do it quicker. And that to me is the whole essence of why we do, we do. It's mm -hmm. like to create these, like you said, the two tensions, it creates another opportunity for us to have present moments and connections and beautiful things because it maybe it shrinks the time from the stimulus that would have caused some damage or neglect or, or, or anger or whatever can derail us and shrink those things mm -hmm. down from a day to, you know, a half day to an hour to a minute. Mm -hmm. I mean, those those are real things. I just think of two conversations that I had where people say, yeah, I, I want to continue to fix the problem, but they don't. And that goes back to creating that ABCs of emotional planning, man, you know, emotional flooding management. And there's some magic to that that says it's okay to have that space be there. Mm -hmm. So we created the space to allow on the tail end of NBA. Mm -hmm. But the first thing you had to do like you said, was notice and that mm -hmm. kind word. Mm -hmm. Oh dear, mm -hmm. dear. I love, I love that. Dear one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, dear one. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Well, thank you, dear one. Mm -hmm. I think there's a great subject to go over. Mm -hmm. I, I, my inner critic isn't disputing that at all. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. And so until next time. Take good care. 
We hope you enjoyed this episode brought to you by WeDoRelationships.com. Now let's make a difference in our relationship with ourselves and others to flourish in today's world. Please share what you learned. Great job. You're taking the time to honor and explore your relationships. We know it's not easy in our busy lives, but it's worth it. You're worth it. Those you love will notice.